This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 140, the L1Z1X MindNet Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. On this day, this is the day, Hunter. This day right now. Not this day, Mm -hmm. but this day is the day that my baby is supposed to be born. This is supposed to be the day. Whoa. So we're recording this a week and a half in the past. But Mm -hmm. right now, if you're listening to this, there's a chance that there's a new person. I mean, there's there's a guarantee that there's a new person on the planet somewhere, but there's a there's right. a chance that that new person is my new person. Yeah, and you're a daddy, and I'm a your daddy. daddy. So that's daddy. Weird. That's super weird to think about. Uh, that this is what that is. Um, daddy Maddie, I'm excited <laughs> for Daddy Maddie. I'm excited for the first time. Uh, all of our dumb friends, like I'm excited for Holiday Spectacular 2020. When mm-hmm. everybody's in town. Now, that may not happen because COVID will still be a thing in December. the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if it's somehow able to happen, that's going to rule. And uh, mm-hmm. and having my baby around for parts of the stream or the whole stream, who knows what will happen with that. It would probably be bad if I had responsibility of the baby that day. But also, don't want to just throw that at my wife and make her, no, no, sweetie. I must play games for internet points. <laughs> while right. you handle our child and the upbringing well, of it i mean what molly will be pretty old by then uh-huh, and she'll probably right. already know how to play so she'll probably just be playing with us that's true so that'll that's be fine true. yeah we, yeah we, yeah we give her the the purple I'm player and, about that. and move on so since this is like my last time to talk to you like <laughs> before you're a dad is there anything that you want to tell me as like since you're since you're about to become a man in a real way and this is your last kind of child hang you know because like all in all likelihood in the present timeline you are a dada uh-huh what any anything you got to say to me your first child hunter basically? the hunter the first time we met we were playing paintball together and i wish i knew who that hunter was i wish i, I want to know what the butterfly effect of the hunter that really got into paintball could have been I wasn't like, that into paintball. No, I know. We just, neither of us were. We both happened to be playing paintball. But I'm just saying, I wonder what that, if if that day had hit a, a thing inside of you where you were just like, I'm really into paintball. And then we started a paintball <laughs> podcast. And what does that alternate universe look like? That's That's right. what I have to say to you. Wow. That is so interesting to think about that we both could have really fallen in love with paintball that day. <laughs> And instead, I hated it. Yeah. I remember I got so fussy and mad <laughs> that day because I remember someone shot me in the leg. Mm-hmm. And it was like we had just started. So I was like, oh, cool. I don't get to play now. And then there was like a beat, like a second. They took a second and then they shot me in the other leg. And I was like, dude, like. You got me. <laughs> you legit just got me and you just shot me again. That's how. That's who I was at yeah. that time. Because I didn't want to do it. I didn't care. Yeah. I was not. Paintball did not appeal to me. And uh, ouchie, it hurt. Like, ouchies. <laughs> I don't. I, dude, I'm. 
I'm not above sounding like a baby talking about things that hurt. Ouchie, <laughs> things hurt sometimes, okay? Wah, daddy, daddy. Well, I'll protect you, Hunter. And and instead of that, I'm going to hurt you with chairs and desks mm-hmm. and plastic and cardboard and paper. Yeah. And this is how I exact my revenge on you. Oh, uh, no. And, are, and, are, are you not going to get to head desk anymore? No. Is head desking over? Head desking has been supposed to be over for months, but I... Uh, every once in a while, I let it slip. He sneaks a little head desk in there. <laughs> but uh, is it going to be like you stay up late, like late at night, whenever everyone's asleep, you'll like sneak into your room and just kind of just head desk, desk yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. Well, I'll have to buy a bunch of um, like cushions and extra things so that I can um, head desk safely. Right. Yeah, yeah. A safe head. De- you'll just have a pillow strapped to your head at all times, <laughs> basically. My perfectly special, shaped my, little my, forehead yeah, pillow. My, my special helmet that is only designed for protecting my forehead and no other part of my head. Um, yeah. You'd look like a great, that'd be a funny look for a dad. You know, <laughs> you walking around with your weird little pillow helmet with your baby. You know what's not fair? My my head is so impervious to damage that my favorite joke is that when my uh, wife opens the freezer, I'd like to be standing as close as I can and like, push my head into it so it seems like she accidentally opened the freezer door too hard into my head and that also makes her very mad for the same reasons but like it doesn't do anything to me and i don't want to lose that joke that's like one of my favorite bits it's a good bit and i mean i just i love the idea of you just continuing to slam your head on stuff and then like then you're crazy when you're like in your 70s. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? That, this is my and, wife's greatest fear, what you're describing. Yeah, and he, and, and the doctor's just like, yeah, he was going to be fine, but he just kept slamming his head on stuff. <laughs> and like, and I don't know why people weren't telling him not to do that. Yeah. And it's like, well, we kind of told him not to do that, but it was he also, it was a pretty stopped. good time, okay? I have no transition out of this topic into our L1Z1X episode. It doesn't exist. Well, the mind net. Ah! Something, there's something there. My mind, they're, they're, I, I you're going to need a net to keep my mind off these desks. Speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> we never came up with a good bit for the L1Z1X. No, we didn't. You know, because it's just like, yeah, it's the Borg, right? Okay, cool. They're a little too. That's hilarious. Yeah, they're a little too serious. Yeah. You know, they're kind of, I guess there could be like kind of a Matrix joke, maybe, no, you know, I guess. I don't know. They're just not funny. Yeah, and all of my um, all my comedic energy is now officially dedicated to making funny noises at my daughter. So how do I use that in this capacity? I don't well, know. You, you there's funny L one Z one X noises you could make like at your daughter, like bloops. beeps and bloops, yeah. and like that's a good point. Hello, Molly. But I am the Did we mention last week that that? this recording would have kind of a weird energy because we're recording it immediately after last week's. We definitely brought that up. So that's kind of we the did. result. That's that's why the the goofs. <laughs> Nobody likes the goof section anyway. Right. So they're just like... And it's funny that this like, one has on. gone on abnormally long. Right. I just well, don't, I don't have a way out. I, don't, I just want to keep doing it. I just want to keep you all here in the goof zone. Welcome to the body of the Space Cats Peace Turtles episode for this week. This episode is about the L1Z1X MindNet, and we want to present today our case for what is a good way to play them, especially if you're not that well-versed at the game. 
Yeah. Um, my name is Hunter Donaldson. And my name and is Matt is, Martins. Yeah. And this is your daddy, Matt Martins. Yeah. That's how I wanted to do it. Oh, I see. Um, Matt, you wrote this episode, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up here. Okay. Um, but will you please give me and your daughter and the rest of the world <laughs> an overview? Is that the is of, that the focus of this show now? Is I'm not just teaching the world. This is this is my episode to my daughter of how to play the L one Z one. This is so the new arc <laughs> of the show is Space Cats, Peace Turtles, uh, uh colon letters for Mo- Molly. Um, <laughs> So it's all addressed to Molly, and it's just us trying to teach her how to play yeah. uh, the game. Okay. Well, we're going to shake things up with this one. Normally, we just like rush through the overview, but um, the L1Z1X is going to have this kind of crazy thing that I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the, throughout this entire episode, which is that they are incredibly versatile, and recommending like one thing with them can kind of be very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. So I really, really want to just drive home the strengths of things in comparison to each other and the things that are super crazy wicked good and the stuff that's like not as good but honestly there's nothing bad about l1 there's nothing just straight up and down bad with them and they're incredibly versatile they're a super super good faction i feel like i say this all the time there's been a running debate recently of like actually is l1 or barony better and i'm firmly in the l1 camp hunter i think you are wavering to the other side i think they're the the dark side is starting to convince you that somehow barony is better no no yeah? no 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 no. that's not how this show works the way the show works <laughs> is you are fully dedicated to seeing it only one way mm-hmm. and i am like kind of third way consider all the options right always measuring going back and forth seeing all the points of view unless it comes to the inclusion of pre errata and then i bring up points that other people say and you're like that's so specific and i don't want to talk about it (laughs) that that part doesn't make it to air okay (laughs) that's not supposed to be on the show okay my character on the show Uh there's the producer hunter yeah and he makes he makes a lot of wild calls and he says like no yes no Mm -hmm. yes but then there's like show hunter and show hunter considers all points of it's view. All, yes. However, lately I do feel like barony is a little bit better. The way I put it before we before we started was that barony is excessively good at the thing that they're good at. Yes. They're good at being barony. Their peak L1Z1X has like a wider range of things it can do, but it doesn't always reliably execute those things yeah. perfectly. Right. Yeah, so I, I agree with that assessment, and and it's funny that like it is so ingrained in us to compare Barony and L1, but it all comes down to them both being very good dreadnought factions, and that's because L1 Z1X has a base thing that is also then their upgradable tech is Super Dreadnought Two. Um, yeah. The interesting thing with Super Dreadnought One is it is what is very very good, uh, and Super Dreadnought Two honestly is like not is fine is good. Um, but as an upgrade compared to its base unit is like, yeah, sure. That's kind of a step up. That's great. But Super Dreadnought 1 is amazing. And it's hilarious that it's amazing because basically the only difference between it and a regular Dreadnought is that Super Dreadnought 1 has a capacity of 2, which makes it half a carrier. And for some reason, that rules so good that it makes L1Z1X like an amazing, amazing faction. Uh, when you upgrade to Super Dreadnought 2, you get all of the normal things that come with Dreadnought 2, which is like the direct hit uh, avoidance, and you get an extra move. And the bonus is that your Dreadnoughts now hit on 4. 
Um, so very, very, very good uh, unit when you upgrade it. Obviously better in all of the ways, but it's not like the same difference as when you go from Exotrireme with the Sardak to Exotrireme 2, right? Exotrireme 2 gains this whole new superpower that is crazy. So right. um, when we talk about Super Dreadnoughts, keep in mind we're not always talking about that you have to, have to, have to get Super Dreadnought 2. However, we are going to make that case today uh, if only because of the fact that you're, you need that direct hit avoidance because your Dreadnoughts are so good, right? It has nothing right. to do with our upgrade being better than the normal upgrade. It has to do with our the base unit being better, and we need it to be as good or better than the normal upgraded unit. So that's the weird case with Super Dreadnought 2. That was such a huge yeah. diatribe, but like I feel like it is critical to understanding what we are going to talk about with L1Z1X today and like how everything else kind of shakes out. Super Dreadnought rules, but so does Super Dreadnought 2, and so does everything you can do around that. Right. So, um, well, what's the starting unit yeah. situation so like? The, the reason this uh, two-capacity Super Dreadnought is great is because we start with one Dreadnought, one carrier, five infantry, three fighters, and a PDS. Uh, Love it. So the Dreadnought being able to carry two infantry means we do, we do not need two carriers for infantry, right? That 2C4I is like our metric for like what makes a decent expansion round one. We're set. In fact, it's kind of technically better than the carrier. No, we don't get to maybe bring extra fighters with us, but we can take two, two planet systems with everything we have in our starting fleet. And one of those is like a wicked good dreadnought that is going to get upgraded to be even better. We also have a home system that is pretty weird and is actually going to be kind of a thorn in our side all game. But it's also, obnoxious. It's obnoxious, but it's great at the same time. It has its benefits and it has its uh, negatives. Uh, it is a five resource zero influence home system uh and this has some interesting issues where uh for example uh tech round one costs four dollars if we're doing it as a secondary and if the only money we're spending this round is our home system we've burned a dollar and the idea of burning a dollar is going to kind of come up a lot with l1z1x because they are also a tech faction uh because of their second faction tech which is called inheritance systems and it's it's really, really, really good, um, but I don't want to overstate it being crazy good because it's not necessarily a must-get. Um, there's there's some s circumstances around when we get inheritance systems and when we maybe ignore it. I, I can, want can you read it for yeah, us? Yeah, it's called wanna... You May Exhaust This Card and Spend Two Resources When You Research a Technology. Ignore all of that technology's prerequisites. Now, the really annoying factor of inheritance systems that we have to talk about, and this is like a multi rulesy thing, is those two resources are separate from the resources you already spent on tech. So if we did it as a secondary, we have to spend four resources, and then we have to spend two resources. That is different than spending six resources. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's four... And then two. Right. And we have a home system yeah. that is worth five. So we cannot. We can't do five and it. one. <laughs> yeah. We have to do five and then two, and we actually wasted a dollar yet again. So this is the whole thing that's going to shape kind of the annoyance of our faction and probably like the biggest problem that we suffer from. But that, that yes. aside, yes. inheritance yes. systems rules because it gives us access to late game tech that we otherwise would never get 
or just any tech, like yeah. just at all. You right. want to get War Sons? Want to get X eighty nine bacterial weapon? Want to get an integrated economy? Do it. This is the faction. Yeah. Do it. Make your weird case. All right. <laughs> uh, this is the faction to be like, oh, you can get this random. This tech is actually really, really good, even though nobody ever thinks about it. Right. Which I guess is just integrated economy. But yeah. <laughs> At this uh, point, people are making cases for every tech all the right. time, but yeah. not. I mean, there's economy. patience is out there pushing hard on an uh, on integrated economy. It's just I never. Get oh, to never test mind. It. Somebody is. All right, it's so, out there. Uh, so let's talk about their faction abilities, and um, these abilities kind of reinforce the quality of not just our dreadnoughts, but kind of our ability to be actually somewhat aggressive. So the first one is assimilate. When you gain control of a planet, replace each PDS and space dock that is on that planet with a matching unit from your reinforcements. So you get to take over people's PDS and space docks. This is an important timing of when you gain control of a planet, which happens before production. So you can be hyper aggressive if you are taking out someone else's space dock because if you successfully invade the planet, you can then immediately build out of that space dock, which means you can suffer quite a bit of losses in the space combat, win the ground combat, and then reinforce that space combat so that the other player doesn't get to retaliate or do anything about it. It's crazy good given the right opportunities. It requires like the PDS or the space dock in the right position, but beyond that, like it's, it's amazingly good. Their secondary uh, ability is just as good, if not better. It's called Harrow. After each round of ground combat, your ships in the active system may use their bombardment abilities against opponents' ground forces on the planet. This is every single round of combat. So you do a bombardment, then you start the ground combat, you do one roll of ground combat, and then you bombard again. And keep in mind, every bombard unit is, like, super good. <laughs> like, it's, it's a high roll. So uh, you, you if you upgrade your super dreads, they bombard on a four. So this, mm -hmm. by its very nature, means you really don't need that many infantry. Because, like, two infantry can invade, and as long as they can survive the first round of uh, a ground combat the hero will probably do the rest of the work on knocking out the rest of the ground combat. So obviously uh, PDS gets in the way of this. So um, your hero is not useful against PDS, but if you can win the combat, you then get that PDS anyways. So that doesn't mean never target PDS systems, but it, there's just so much leading to this faction gets to be um, a very space risky, um, you know, aggressive faction that like takes right. control stuff first uh, and then deals with the consequences later because they're just so good at taking and reinforcing and holding and just everything. Yeah, it's just nuts being able to build out of the space dock after you take it. Like that's just yeah, that's just insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're kind of going down the list in terms of like how good everything is. So next, next in quality, I would say is the flagship. Uh, the flagship is is really good. Uh, it's just uh, as with any flagship, you're putting a point on the board. And so you have to weigh the cost of is it worth putting that point on the board during a space combat hits produced by this ship and by your dreadnoughts of which you will expect to have many in this system must be assigned to non fighter ships if able. So it is basically the graviton laser systems of space combat. Uh, and that makes it pretty awesome. I will say notably graviton is kind of better in the regards of you graviton and kill the carrier and since it's not in space combat all the fighters die and in this case you can kill all the stuff that's non-fighters but because you're in combat if there are fighters you're still going to have to finish out the combat so it's a great flagship but it's not like it's an auto game winner kind of thing um right 
it is notably good at um like uh destroying their greatest ship right i can if, if i don't have to worry about your fighters and i can target your flagship first i can very easily unveil mm-hmm. my flagship uh if if i win the combat but also when i destroy it um instead of that i could i could score destroy their greatest ship quite easily um right so it's it's super good i think as with any flagship it's a bit slow so like in my mind the only reason the only time i really am excited to get it is if i've gotten gravity drive and that doesn't happen every game so we'll get into that later but because we probably won't talk about the flagship much later just keep in mind that if we have gravity drive the value of this ship goes up quite a bit and without gravity drive it's like i guess it's kind of a defensive ship but it's still even then you know it is certainly better in its defenses because like we said you can knock out basically any of the invading ground forces because you knock out the things that they have capacity with they just might still win the space combat with a bunch of fighters like if this is against nalu nalu can win the space combat they just will never take the the planet because they'll you'll have taken out all of their (laughs) ships with ground forces right right um i just want to mention too that i'm pretty sure this flagship won in the best space cats peace turtles episode the flagship uh tournament episode did this win to- like after everything? I thought for sure I'm pretty Soul sure. won. Every- no, no, no. That's the whole thing. Is oh, that because this stopped Soul. This went to the finest, wow. the finals, and it just stopped Souls right in its track because it ignored all of, of memory. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they have Best a promissory episode. note that is fine. Um, it has kind of a special place that it can be used, but it's called cybernetic enhancements. At the start of your turn, remove one token from the L1Z1 Nexus player's strategy pool and return it to their reinforcements. Then place one command token from your reinforcements uh, and place it in your strategy pool. Uh, this I, type of component is the type that is really just begging somebody to write their treatise, the yeah. treaties, <laughs> the, their, what is it? A treatise? Treatise, sure. maybe. I don't know. Um, about how good it actually is. Exactly. Yeah. People want to talk about this one being good. What I don't I thematically I don't get why this is L one Z one X. This is this is this is like the perfect example of Dane ran out of ideas or like he had this idea but it didn't specifically belong in any other faction and mm-hmm. he didn't have a better idea for L one, so he gave it to L one. <laughs> right. Honestly, it could have been Souls. Yeah. But Soul already had a perfect one. Right. But Soul does get an extra command counter, so you would think they'd be able to like give it away. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I it, would rather it, it, give it, military support to Arborek, give this yeah. to Soul, and give something new to L1Z1X. That's what I would, ah, that's what I would do. That's a good fix. Yeah, I like that. Because yeah. the idea that Arborek would have an ability the that gain just, infantry is pretty yeah just makes sense um, well and they give it away right but yeah it's right. still good um okay and then the last thing is you only have two commodities which is pretty bad i would say even worse with l1z1x because like we said you're already kind of naturally aggressive like people tend to not want to trade with you cybernetic enhancements is a thing that is very conditional and difficult to trade you certainly can but the cost of losing a strategy counter is always kind of a factor that you you really have to grapple with, mm-hmm. and so getting the right price for cybernetic enhancements can be can be somewhat difficult. Uh, I've seen now, people- Matt. Is this one of those things where even if if they don't have one, I can still get one out of nowhere? No, you cannot. That actually creates this really messed up infinite loop <laughs> that we have seen. Oh, Dane actually okay. eroded it for like one day and then realized it was completely busted wide open. So. Uh, no, you have to have the strategy card to be able to play the promissory note. It has note. to exist, okay. Uh, and uh, it's it, I've seen the cost be quoted at being two trade goods, so essentially trading the three influence of the command counter for two trade goods. I think this is on the cheap end, but basically the only time it comes up is if 
you are desperate to turn you picking leadership a lot or you having a really high influence slice, if you're trying to turn that into trade goods, it's fine. But it's not something I would just do all game because we have a 5-0 home system. We have an influence problem. <laughs> so we don't get yeah. to just be all willy-nilly with our command counters. It's not something Man, we get to just... Man, this promissory note is weird. <laughs> Why do what? Like, I would get it if we had a high influence home system it mm -hmm. would make more sense but we don't even it it's like yeah. i've never even used it i've never even used this promise right now it just doesn't fit with anything that they do or have advantages in. it doesn't make any sense why it's their thing to do um yeah i don't i want an omega cybernetic enhancements <laughs> <laughs> let's talk early game strategy cards shall we what do you what do you what dost thou say I'm so down and I'm so interested. Uh, do you want to do a little pre do you, is what what do we want to get done in the early yeah. game? Um, what are our priorities? Our priority is um, to honestly, I, I don't I can't say that I like specifically have one. Um, like we said, well, are we getting tech? Do we, we get tech? That's the problem is we have this five resource home system. So the decision as to whether or not we do tech or build a bunch at home and, and by doing tech, we innately lose the value of $1 like that. That's a tough kind of a tough call. So in, in plenty of situations, we may not do tech. Um, and that, <gasps> that is kind of the, I know Hunter, I know you're scared and I know this is a territory that, that worries you. Um, but I just want you to know, that with inheritance systems, if we get it and if we get it early enough, we are not going to be afraid of tech at all. Uh, there's basically a situation where if, if we have the right skips, we never have to get a dead tech. We're kind of like Jolnar in that way. Uh, we only get techs that are useful. So it's not the biggest deal in the world if we don't get tech round one. That being said, we're probably going to get Sarween tools. <laughs> we'll probably make it work. Uh, so... Uh, we just we have a lot of factors to consider. So let's let's run. You're through. really jerking me around I know. here. Okay, it's, man? it's a lot. Like, and this is this is how L1Z1X works, which is just like you know what? Honestly, everything is viable. Everything has an answer. There's a way to do anything and everything. So this this has been kind of a weird guide to write because it's just like at every impasse, it's like oh no, I mean you could definitely do that, and I can see why that would be good, but and then insert whatever rebuttal. But it's like at every single corner there's a way to do the thing you want to do okay so, i'm along for the ride uh do you want to explain <laughs> to me leadership is it good what is this new character is this i'm just i'm just you know i'm just serving yeah i'm just teeing you just up getting, you know just, what i mean <laughs> i'm 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 playing i'm playing dumb playing just support. i'm just asking questions and trying to figure it out you know i don't know <laughs> all right well dumb hunter let me tell you about leadership uh it's fine it's fine. I, if anything, I would put it actually below most people's leaderships. Um, I think leadership generally for you is good. Um, again, you have a command counter problem. Um, it's not helping us solve anything round one, but it's nice to get ahead. Uh, but that's about as far as I consider uh, leadership. It's like a fourth or fifth pick probably. What um, secondaries would we do if we got leadership? We, I noticed that's uh, so, not on the script. It's not in the script. Thanks, Hunter. Uh, uh, so we, we have to, again, consider our money. Um, so we aren't going to get to do both warfare and tech unless we luck ourselves into a bunch of trade goods, but like, that's not going to happen. That's, that's the not going to happen. That's the I, thing no, we I just want to tell you, that's not going to happen. Even dumb Hunter knows that trade isn't <laughs> <Even> a thing <laughs> that L1C1X does round one, right? Uh, you have two commodities and a not very good promissory note. 
uh, you're not making a bunch of extra bucks. So the five resources you have at home is like as much as you can ex expect. If our baseline is X minus one plus our home planets, you're only getting one trade good outside of that. Like you're, you're, And you have no trade ships. Did we talk about that? We haven't talked about that yet. You have no trade vessels. You have a dreadnought and a carrier, and both of those are being used for expanding. So you're not going and making new friendly neighbors. If trade is like two away from you or on the other side of the table, you're probably not doing any trading at all, and you just need to accept that about yourself. Uh, so with leadership, I would probably build at home before I would do tech personally. But again, I totally see the value of getting Sarween tools. It's just if you're getting Sarween tools round one and that's the only money you're spending, you're then not using Sarween tools round one. So it's kind of a <laughs> tricky gambit. Uh oh. You okay, I don't like Hunter? that. You, you don't and, like and I and you wasted a resource. So it's sort of like you wasted two resources is what it feels like. Yeah. I mean that that's why I just want to build I would rather build at home. I can build a dreadnought and two more infantry at home without Sarween tools and that feels fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. Um so diplomacy, that one's pretty good normally, right? Uh actually with with L1Z1X diplomacy kind of rules uh not in a way where it's still it, like it's still sixth pick, but um you have a five resource planet and that's as good as it gets, bud. Um so if you have that like Abyss Freya or Baraglar to four or like a Starpoint, if you have a three resource planet adjacent to home that you can take, you can get eight extra bucks off of uh, oh off boy. of that, which is more than any other faction. <laughs> so the normal diplomacy argument actually doesn't track as well with L1Z1X. Um, and you have a couple fun considerations. So the first thing is you should probably accept that uh, you you want to get in bed with the technology player. Your main goal with tech is to have them specifically not stall. And in fact, maybe do tech as like their first action. Um, well, they, were, they won't do it for their first action, but for their first possible... Well, yeah, okay, maybe they, they will. They might, because it, depending on the faction, they might want to refresh their home planets. If, they, if they're a four-resource uh, faction, they may do it. Now, yeah, they probably want to take a system and then play tech. Which you can mm -hmm. do the same. You take a system and then you play tech. Honestly, that's what you both want. You both want one action and then for them to tech so that you can spend your five resource home uh, and then you dip low after they've mm -hmm. played tech. Um, so mm -hmm. you're, you're going to expand twice before they do it, but you're going to burn one on tech and that's fine because then when you dip low, you're getting eight back anyways and then you're going to build at home uh, either off of warfare or not. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't care how you do it. Uh, but... You, yeah, you, you need to, upon picking Diplo, have this already as a consideration. If you can't get Tech on board with this and they're going to play hardball with you, it is not worth it to take Diplo because it's just too much of a mess and you can get some value out of construction. So if people are playing, if you play with a group that's very tough and, and mean, I wouldn't do Diplo. But if it's like a deal-making group that like lets things slide a lot, Diplo actually... This is like one of the rare times you're going to hear us say like, hey, you know what? This is not bad at all uh, because you can get quite a bit of value out of it. Um, quite. Quite a bit. Uh, let's talk about politics. This is eh. Um, we're, we're, we don't need a, a big advance on action cards. We have neural motivator. So like by taking politics around one, we're going to end up with four action cards going to round two, which is fine. That's good. But like we'll very quickly... Uh, end up with like a surplus of action cards and I don't have like a huge use of action cards early there's no crazy tricks I mean there's a couple but uh, the other thing is if uh, you're probably I 
don't know that I would sell speaker token. You could, and the extra bucks could help, but like you're likely not getting as much of it out of it as you would want, and you are better off just keeping it for yourself and taking tech next round and double teching. You're going to make up for the tech you didn't buy this round by definitely double teching next round. And that's how I would take politics. It's just like, nope, just give yourself speaker, move on. You aren't very tradey, especially in the early game. And that should just be your guiding principle through the whole game is like, ah, I'm not going to sit here and complicate trade negotiations. I'm just, I don't have the tools to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Um, what about... So so you're going to double tech next round is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's my goal. Okay. What uh what do you feel like you're going to get? Well, Sarween tools for sure and we're going to have to talk about tech a bit later, uh but it is basically whether or not you start to go down blue or if you sprint for inheritance systems uh to then okay, do whatever. Okay. Well, we you can want. talk about it next round. I just was wondering like what you were getting. Yeah. I definitely if I can get Sarween tools this round <laughs> I want and that's like the whole point is to is to be able to somewhat backtrack okay we don't have to like negotiate it right now i'm just saying next round whenever <laughs> i just you tech, I'm, like, you've made me so nervous and i want to be able to give you an answer but i don't have it it's such a hard no, action I, I was screwing around i was like pretending we were playing a game like that was my <laughs> like i was asking you what you were teching let's talk construction. what about construction is I, uh, that good yeah i uh it's fine um there's a world there's games where pds works for l1z1x um, there's, there's games where you definitely are actually very interested in getting PDS too. Cause you can like put those in really weird places and take other people's PDS. And then you have a PDS two in their own slice. Like you can get weird with PDS and PDS is a great way to defend your own slice. Um, if you're taking construction round one, my hope for you is that this is the only time you ever take construction, um, in the whole game. Oh, sure. Uh, so at the very least you're able to get like maybe a second forward dock out. Um, or you might just double PDS. Um, and the case I want to make about double P PDSing is if you start with the secret objective for PDS, um, or on honestly, this, this uh, applies to the three space docks as well, making construction better is if you can double PDS and you have one at home, you now have three. So now all you have to do is steal one PDS for the point. Sure. Yeah, or if yeah. you have the space docks, you build one space dock now. Now you just need to steal one space dock for the point. So those two secret objectives are are made easier by a construction round one. I mean, obviously they're made by a construction. They're, they're better anytime you play construction. But I just want to say this is kind of a planning for the future of dealing with that because the idea that you're going to steal three PDSs is, is kind of crazy. But you can sure, easily sure. plot but stealing two one, yeah. no, no problemo. Right. Um, I think I think a forward dock is worth it. I think I, so. I, I think you need it positionally. Yeah, it's yeah. Your your home is gonna end up being pretty well defended, but um, there's a there's a really good chance that you're not gonna end up with gravity drive as L one Z one X, which means your movement right. is just gonna like always be capped at two for your super dread. Like your main fleets will most likely consist of units that only move two, um, and that that is fine, but it means you can't rely on your home system. So, so yeah, if you can find a forward dock, that is very, very beneficial to you. Let's talk about trade. Uh, trade yeah. round one is, um, again, we sort of mentioned it earlier, but trade is actually not great for you in general. Like the act of trading isn't very yeah, good for you. Yeah, it seems like it sucks. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, trade round one is um, essentially only netting you the three trade goods and like hopefully you can do uh, you can turn your two commodities into three commodities with someone or into three trade goods with someone. Um, and if you're able to do that, yeah, that's six extra bucks. 
that's about as much value as I feel like I, I can expect. Maybe an extra one. Again, you don't have trade ships, so the I, like people have to come to you for trade. If I'm playing trade, I am not being an open negotiator. I'm not letting everybody replenish. I'm literally getting the money I can get, and everybody is locked out because I, there's no way I'm going to get enough money out of this. Um, to make it worth it. So I have no value in making the rest of the table rich. No debt meta. Matt. Yeah. Uh, not with L1Z1X. That ain't your bag. Uh, you, you don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't ride in the debt meta space. You, you just need to, you're going to be extorting a lot later. So you're not going to have any goodwill. And if you were leaving non-binding deals on the table, those people are going to not hold true to those non-binding deals with you is my guess uh, based on what I'm going to recommend you do later. So, yeah, it's it's fine, but, like, genuinely, Diplo is better for you. Like, you reliably sure. get more money out of diplomacy than you do with, with, as, uh, with trade. Um, the only benefit to taking trade right now is similar to the leadership thing, which is, like, you have kind of difficulty getting trade goods in general. So if five trade goods is the first objective, like, yeah, okay, do it now. It might be your only reliable chance to score that objective. Um, sure, but can I ask... Uh, would you say that Diplo is better than trade then? For I, I L1? It's weird because again, I don't really want to pick Diplo as like fourth pick or something. Um, right. And it, it's just like, it's not that Diplo is better than trade, even though I do feel like it is, but almost everything else is better than trade is the better point to make. Sure. Like I would yes. pick politics or leadership uh, or, or Diplo over trade. So if for some reason trade wasn't fifth pick or earlier and you have the decision between diplo and trade i would pick diplo but that's not someone else will take trade that will always be the case so it's not a situation you're ever going to run into i wouldn't as third pick with the opportunity of trade or diplo take diplo over trade right, right? i would still pick a different thing like politics okay i get what you're saying yeah um warfare is an interesting one I think it's really likely with warfare that you will not do tech. Um, I, I don't know. This is contentious probably because because warfare is obviously the maybe the best opportunity to do technology. Um, but I think you can expand to your entire slice and also just build and reinforce at home uh, and be better off. It kind of depends on like what your equidistance situation is or like what your neighbor is. But I would, with warfare, I would like to build or expand forward, expand to the left or right, uh, and then warfare, and then expand again and build at home. Not Maybe not necessarily all in that order, but like if right. I can end up next to Mechatol with my, like, a, you know, either my, probably my carrier, my carrier and a couple fighters, take those towards Mechatol so that then I can throw those at Mechatol Rex next round if it comes up uh, but maybe i don't maybe i save it um in general i would rather have a big fleet at home a fleet to the left or right and a fleet out right next to mechatol and then maybe that's that slice in the center of my slice that that might be a little empty and open and that's a very matte thing to do um but i think that position is better than tech because keep in mind too someone might take that empty uh, planet in the middle of your pie slice, but you have a big fleet at home that you spent your money on. They have to have taken it with quite a bit for you to not be able to take it back from them. Your forte is taking planets from people. So the idea that someone's going to like nab a planet from you and not expect you to easily get it back is kind of a joke. 
So I, I actually don't think people will, in like round two, steal an empty uh, tile from you as like the first or second action. If you leave it empty all round, yeah, they're probably going to jump on you because you you have locked down all your fleets and now there's nothing you can do about it. Ha ha. Right. But uh, as, as an early action thing, like for round one, I'm not that um, scared of leaving at least one tile in my slice. Well, especially if it's for the Mechatol point, right? Right. If I can get the point out of it, it's it has become all worth it. So the flip sure. side of all of that is, yeah, I did tech and I wasted a dollar with my home system or maybe i got enough trade goods but again you're not getting four trade goods get give up on that dream um so yeah i i just don't i really don't want to waste the dollar round one when i can probably get planets to get myself to be able to buy two tech next round or even if i don't get tech next round like i can actually spend four resources next round and be okay sure i would like to get lots of tech as l1z1x but i can't say that i have to super duper rush for as much tech as possible as all one like i'm going to be able to get really good tech whenever i want to so it's not a huge deal that i don't get it round one you would rather get the plastic out round yeah one than the tech, i i would rather be able your higher priority. it's the way i'm going to get more money anyways too because i'm going to like leverage other people's weak plastic situations in round two and three i'm gonna uh, that's how i'm gonna make some money to buy more tech is right. is getting the plastic to be scary um i i think that's way more valuable than just like, oh, I have Sarween tools. You better look out. That, that doesn't do anything. Um, so let's actually talk about tech then. It's really funny that we've been saying all of this um, because the secondary of tech is useless for you, but tech as a strategy card is your number one pick. <laughs> so if you can get the tech strategy card, 100% do it and get the free tech and probably nothing else. Um, and you're almost definitely getting Sarween tools. There's a couple scenarios where you might get anti-mass, but you get to get a free tech and you get to do the secondary warfare to defend your home system. And you have like a super, super well-defended slice and you're on the path to all of your tech paths. Like you've done everything. Tech, getting tech is 100% what you want. Um, it's just if you don't get the tech strategy card, suddenly tech as a concept takes a backseat for you round one. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, what about Imperial? That one's really good, right? No, never. Uh, can we talk about um, what the issues, that what your problems are? In... Yeah, lay out some issues. So, I mean, we talked about that home system. We it's talking like about the home good system and bad. It's but... wicked annoying. Uh, it's going to be its most problematic round one. Maybe mm -hmm. a little bit round two, depending on the planets that you get. Um, and even when you get inheritance systems, it's always going to come up that it's just kind of annoying. But what is significantly more annoying and what you can actually plan around and need to deal with is your influence problem. Now, if you ended up in a slice that just rules with influence, like if you, if you can get Aaron Amir and Centauri Grawl and have just like all kinds of influence, cool, that's fine. You have so many resources in your home system that like you don't really need that many resources in your slice. But if you end up with a slice that is super lacking in influence, command counters are going to be a problem with you all game long. Now, you aren't maybe necessarily a faction that's doing like a ton of actions per round, but it's still not going to do you any favors to like only be able to do one or two. I played a game uh, this last weekend. Well, sorry, a weekend and a half ago <laughs> uh, that was uh, I, I had a terrible slice and I felt it in the command counter economy all game. I was doing one action and then building in my home system each round. And that was like 
all I could afford to do while also getting tech or whatever. Like it, it, my plastic didn't feel that bad, but I was never able to do the actions I needed to do to get like points out on the board. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. So, um, our number one focus is to deal with that. And like the only way to deal with that is taking leadership a bunch or, Going and stealing influence from other people, right? <laughs> Taking their <Right>. influence <laughs> planets and just being like, this is mine now because I need it more than you do and you can't do anything about it. And that, that's like even more the reason you might really invest in plastic round one and round two is you got to find a way to get that influence. So you need to like start gobbling up someone's slice. Um, yeah, I don't want to overstate that Yeah, that ability I, I though because I mean, I, I feel like L1 only... I feel like the times when I see L1 succeed with being that aggressive, it's because they were able to take a space stock and produce out of it. Yeah. And yeah, you and have therefore to have reinforce easily. I, and I agree with that. Yeah. You can't just go be aggressive. You can't just go fight right. everybody. You're not, I mean, no faction gets to get away with that. Um, right. So you, it is about smart attacks that you are, are lever, leveraging good position and like an out of, I mean, if you're, if your neighbors are smart, they're not going to build a forward dock. <laughs> Because they just don't want to leave that as a as a morsel for you to try to chew sure. on. Well, um, or at least if they build one, they're going to defend it. They're yeah. going to be looking for you to come. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, your other issue, like we kind of said, is trade goods. Uh, this is where I, I want to give credit to Space Lawyer, who gave us some priorata about um, trade goods and trade good objectives specifically. So trade goods are going to be a problem for you. But that is something that actually doesn't worry me until the trade good objectives come out. And then it's like, oh, God, now we have to figure out how we're going to deal with trade goods. And Space Lawyer's whole thing is, we kind of mentioned it earlier, that's when you really start selling your promissory note. Um, your whole goal is to make two bucks at a time for it, but sell it as often as possible and take leadership constantly. Like every single opportunity you can start taking leadership because leadership is like, I mean, obviously also take trade, but like if you can't get trade and if trade trade uh, objectives are out like other people are going to be taking trade ahead of you but l leadership is a direct way you can turn your command counters into trade goods not as directly as necro but you throw it in strategy pool you say hey i'll give you this promissory note for two or maybe you can get leverage three trade goods out of it but you give me some trade goods and you can get yourself a strategy counter or whatever um so that that's a method that I, I haven't used, but um, Space Lawyer talked so highly of it that it is clearly like a, a, a way out for like one of your main problems that you can run into. I've never seen it, but I feel like I feel like it could work if you were just paying attention to people's situations yeah. with CCs and also when leadership has, you know, if it's a situation where leadership already popped and somebody right. wasn't able to get enough or like, I don't know. They just it, it, the timing up can be really important thing. too. For some people, it's just yeah. like, hey, look, this is just a command counter for you and you're going to need it. For some people, it's like, look, leadership's getting stalled out. You only have one command counter in your strategy and I know you want to do tech and imperial. Right. How there about you, you solve yeah. that problem for yourself? How about yeah. that's what raises the price a little bit to now to three oh, trade Especially goods. imperial. Make sure yes. you pay attention to imperial. That seems like easy opportunities there to do yeah, that. Yeah, pe people miss out on getting to do the secondary of imperial because of a bad command counter economy and you get to be that solution for them. So right. leverage that as best you can because it's like your only opportunity to make money outside of being wicked mean which we'll talk about later but let's um do the hardest part of this episode <laughs> which is trying to break down your 
tech path. Um, yeah. And honestly, this is going to be maybe reminiscent of Jolnar, which is like, I, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about tech path today. We're going to talk about tech that is good for you. Uh, and there are multiple paths to make it work. So I'm, I'm honestly just going to fire through all of the techs that are under consideration and like try to give the case for when that tech, like why you should go for that tech, because you're not going to do the same tech path every single game. There isn't just like one ride or die L1Z1X method. You have to, you have to keep your head on a swivel. You have to think about all of the things that are out there on the table and uh, pay very close attention to them to let that determine what tech path is going to be the most beneficial. The only exception to this rule is absolutely get super dreadnought two. Um, the method by which you get it has two different branching paths and that's either through getting blue tech and then getting super dreadnought or it's through getting yellow tech, getting inheritance systems and then just getting super dreadnought. But regardless, you should get this. And we kind of explained it earlier, but it's more that it's a necessity to protect your dreadnought focused playstyle than it is a necessity of like this upgrade rules because it unlocks some crazy new ability for me. It's just about I want to never build a single carrier. That's my goal. I don't want to build a single carrier all game. I would rather just build dreadnoughts and reinforce them with other scary plastic and have that be my expanding fleet. So um, again, that's a tech to keep on your radar, but there are multiple ways to get there. Let's talk about the most basic normal way to get there. Uh, gravity drive is also a tech that you want. Um, I don't think it's necessary for L1Z1X, like at all. Uh, Anti-mass is gonna depend on your pie slice, but if you have the blue skip, obviously you would love to blue skip to gravity drive and blue skip to dreadnought two after you've gotten Sarween tools or whatever. Um, my assumption is you're getting Sarween tools like round one or two, and then everything after that falls into this package. Um, so gravity drive is especially useful if you plan to get your flagship. If your first strategy or uh, secret objective is unveil flagship, Cool, maybe it's going to be worth it to get Gravity Drive so that we can get that thing out in a meaningful place on the board. But otherwise, you will actually f like not have that many uses per game for Gravity Drive. It'll, it'll come up, but it's not a game winner for you. It doesn't do anything necessarily for your early game. You're kind of too far away from it for it to impact like your round two like it does for some factions. So um, you are almost as close to Super Dreadnought 2 by going through... Uh, yellow tech as you are by going through blue tech so like you might as well just do it through yellow tech because that opens up more opportunities later next up uh is kind of the upgrade branch i will say uh, this is if two or three unit upgrades comes out what are the considerations um the big thing is you started with the red you started with the green and uh, you are almost definitely getting Sarween tools as a baseline. So you have yellow, red, green, which means you can get Cruiser 2 and you can get PDS 2. And if you went the blue tech path, you can also just get Fighter 2. And all three of those unit upgrades are useful for you in different situations. And you're just going to have to play your own game and figure that out. PDS 2 gets honorable mention for if both of your equidestins are juicy and you round one get two uh, PDS like in the center of your slice to like go get both of those like pds2 has lots of uses also pds2 is hilariously good when you take someone else's pds in their pie slice and now you have a pds2 that is defending your stuff but also like actively in their way in their entire slice so that's awesome and maybe my favorite of the three 
Cruiser 2 is next on my list. There's a lot of people that like to do the Cruiser 2 rush. Hunter, I think that was even something that you were very, very curious I about. I have seen it so much yeah. um, over the last year, I would say. what? Wh- I mean, do you feel like you've seen it used to great effect? Because I don't feel like I have. I think I've just seen it be fine. But I'm try- I've am trying. i been trying to figure out like what really is the allure of a Cruiser 2. Or is it just that it's literally right there? Why not get it? Because it's well, it's, it's in your path. so it's hard to speak to a strategy that I haven't played a, a through sure. a lot myself. But from what I've seen of it, is it's a kind of like cruiser two into like infantry two. It's like kind of scrappy yeah. and control objective focused, and then they always transition out of it. Right. It's never like it's no L one Z one X player is like cruiser two is going to get me through the rest of this game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's a solution to the early game. It what it is is a, a divergence before you finish up your inheritance systems stuff. Yes. If you're getting Sarween, yes. let's say you have to take the long path to inheritance systems, which honestly we don't want to do. But if you have to do Sarween, then Graviton, then inheritance systems, then finally a big super tech that's four techs in i mean that's like that could be like three rounds three or four rounds into the game before you've accomplished all of that and now you have a tech that matters so i totally understand one minor divergence to get cruiser two to keep yourself relevant in the mid game to then get yourself to inheritance systems so totally makes sense to me um the yellow skip makes it a lot better um but in my view cruiser two is a thing you would get at any moment that you need it right I don't mm-hmm. automatically get it, but hey, I built a couple cruisers and that system over there is a little bit more open than they probably should have left it. And I can jump on it if I research cruiser two right now. So I'll do it, take it. And that's my second unit upgrade and things are juicy. Um, the last one is fighter two. Again, it only really applies if we went blue, but fighters are very good. Uh, fighter twos are very good at helping our defenses and they directly reinforce our Dreadnought 2 armies in a way that is uh, very, very useful. So I like it, but again, it's kind of the most out of our way, depending on how we're shaking things out. Okay. This is, I, I, hope, I hope this isn't like a horribly disorganized way to go about these tech paths, because again, it's not a path. It's like we really do have to just talk about everything option, yeah. and how you get there and why. Um, So the next one is kind of the weirdest one because it's hypermetabolism. And this is just the consideration to if you had a green skip um, because you start with neural motivator. So round two, you could get hypermetabolism. The thing is, this is good because what? It fixes our command counter problem that we've just been talking about. But it slows down everything else we want to be doing. Um, it, it, It takes, you know, it's only one tech out of the way, but it's one tech out of the way, one resource spent on it. A, to keep us from getting to inheritance systems um, when like to be totally honest with you you could just sprint for inheritance systems and then get hypermetabolism now that's obviously you don't want to get hypermetabolism late in the game so that's not very beneficial but you kind of just could probably survive without hypermetabolism even with the green skip but it's there it's enticing um, and I'm sure there's plenty of situations when it's worth getting but this is now where th- that all of the stuff we've just been talking about is the without really considering inheritance systems a ton factor. Mm -hmm. That's the like, all right, we're just doing some pretty normal tech stuff or it's all the stuff we can get before we get inheritance systems. Right, yeah, none of that was really that deep or deep at all. So now we have to talk about inheritance systems and all of the things that come after inheritance systems and how that impacts your game. So inheritance Mm -hmm. systems, rules, if you have a yellow skip, you are absolutely getting inheritance systems. You need to get Sarween right. tools, and then you need to get inheritance systems. It's too fast and too good to not end up with that to be able to do a ton. 
my absolute favorite strategy is Sarween tools into inheritance systems into uh, you can you can pick the order here, but into Super Dreadnought 2 and then Assault Cannon and Assault Cannon becomes your second red tech and that's two red techs lets you get Destroyer 2 and a, a fleet of like two Super Dreads and two Destroyers is crazy devastating to any mm -hmm. opponent. You walk in, you destroy one ship just because of Assault Cannon, you fire six shots of Anti-Fighter Barrage and then you do two on a four and two on an eight. That's right. wild. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, and again, this is like crazy good if you are able to get that inheritance systems really fast with the skip. Um, it's it is absolutely like uh, just a crazy, crazy, crazy good thing. And it it also got you two unit upgrades and two in two colors. Like wow. it it literally solves almost every problem. And you can get any unit like you can get war suns if you want. You literally have solved every tech problem and have a crazy defensive and offensive fleet. <laughs> Nobody can touch you with this. This is by far my favorite thing. Uh th th this is what I want to do in every single game if I can help it. Um mm -hmm. but let's talk about the other goofy stuff, right? We can do X89 because it's way up there. We can do War Suns. You have to talk about X89 because of how good Harrow is. Uh like with especially now with new x89 we're talking about omega x89 that can happen off of harrow because it's a thing that happens when bombardment happens and bombardment is what is happening during harrow so you could miss the bombardment roll before the combat start the ground combat survive the first round and then x89 the second round of combat right, right? you can like efficiently choose when you want to <laughs> use it that's great yeah it's it's insane so um very very good um obviously war suns are a thing that are always really interesting to theory craft with l1z1x i've never done it um but you can't discredit it because you can just get it and you have like almost half of a war sun just in your home system alone so like to say you can't afford a war sun as l1z1x is actually like uh you probably can is yeah, it worth you it? Yeah, if you say that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, again, a war sun is always going to be a tough call, especially considering it doesn't have that direct hit immunity, and you have like all these amazing dreadnoughts that do. So I'm probably never getting war suns, but I might get X89 bacterial weapon. In fact, I probably will <laughs> if I have the right. room. You know, after I've gotten everything else I want to get, X89 is like the icing on the cake to go finish off some really scary control objectives. Um, yeah, the big point to all of this is you have lots of options and literally every single tech skip is useful to you. Yellow gets you faster inheritance. Blue lets you get gravity drive and skip to super dread so that you have those super fast and can do crazy stuff in the mid game with all your super dread not twos. Uh, the green gets you hyper like we said and you want red skips because you want the influence on those red skips. You're never going to use a red skip uh, as a as a skip. I don't buy into that at all, but you'll definitely use the command counters so like all of those planets and systems are useful for you which is great i mean literally like just the fact that you can make use out of half the system tiles in the game is pretty awesome that is pretty sweet yeah man their tech is fun it's just like it's almost too many options to be able to talk about yeah. though it's literally yeah. just like what do you want to do do it right how much fun do you want to have this game and what kind of fun do you want to have it literally is right they are the the barren they're the barren universities of letnar <laughs> okay yeah i like it yeah you like it <laughs> they're on universities <laughs> uh let's briefly talk about uh, a bit more details on 
how much it sucks to be trading um, as uh, L1Z1X. You're not going to do it. You're just not. Instead, uh, and and this is maybe not going to work for every player because uh, not everybody likes to be aggressive or wants to be. And if you are not, I just don't think you should play L1Z1X because where you're going to make the most money is in extortion. Uh, you can't. I know. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about that space stock situation. If someone accidentally leaves their space stock a little bit empty you should not just plan to make a move on it, but see how much you can get out of it first. Because that person should know how much you can move in and then build out of their own space stock um, sure. and how incredibly difficult that will be to take back. Like, that could be a game ruiner for them. So if, they, if they're sitting on a stack of trade goods, you might be able to get that entire stack of trade goods. If they still have their support for the throne, you might be able to just get their support for the throne. There's... You can... I, L1Z1X is probably the best faction at extorting support for the thrones than anyone else because of how devastating the attack on a space stock can end up. So mm. you should never really give up those opportunities if it if it arises. If you have stuff in range, you should at least make the threat. Um, now, you don't want to seem like a crazy person and get the entire table just like actively working against you. Um, so this is a thing that like maybe you do it twice a game as l1 but like you could make some major money in doing it um yeah. again like we said earlier we kind of brought up the space lawyer point if a trade good objective comes up start investing heavily in leadership and convert those trade goods using the promissory note and i would generally um throughout the game uh we we said this in round one but like get the money you can get and don't like mince words and don't get all debt meta e do a two for one just like get the one trade good you can it will be useful uh and and move on with your life don't overcomplicate things this is not where your situation needs to be complicated because you don't have any tools to deal with that anyways so i just wouldn't bother yourself with worrying about trade um i hear you we're gonna be we're gonna be mean you you want <laughs> you're suggesting a mean l1 and you're not seeing it any other way all right fine fine but what do we do? What about our mid game? What what happens after we've made everyone all upset? Yeah, um, what do we do in, then? In the Sardak Nor episode, you Hunter, I think, wisely presented the like inverse of the normal objective structure, right? Mm -hmm. You were you said save the control objectives for last, and it was what? It was tech first, and then economic, and then, or maybe it was. T economic and then tech and then control. economic tech and then control objectives l1 z1x is absolutely the opposite of that um you right. you if you get super dreadnoughts early enough you can absolutely leverage them in the mid game and get control objectives very very easily before anybody has a significant fleet to deal with it if you're building your right. primary fleets especially built out of just like destroyers and dreadnoughts People don't have easy answers for that in the mid game, which means you can just very quickly grab control objectives. Uh, obviously, like resource objectives are easy for you. Um, the influence and the command counter and the trade good objectives are trickier, but that's a thing where you get the plastic advantage and then you get the planet advantage and then you turn those planets into those points, right? Just by living in your slice, you might not be able to do the influence thing, but if you get the four planets of a trait and that's in somebody else's slice, and now you have their influence, then you can turn that into economy. Tech right. fits in wherever you need it to because tech is very easy for you. And so you, what, what I always do with tech objectives is like plan them out um, 
for a round where I really need to read. Like, I don't want to have to research a tech to score the point. I want to have the tech in the bag and be scoring other points um, so that I have a round where I'm like, this round I invest in plastic because I already have the tech on lockdown and I'll just score that point automatically and I'm just using this round as like a rebuild. Um, all that being said, like you cannot over invest in tech. That is a problem. Uh, it's a very easy problem to do with uh, L1Z1X because very often you might end up spending your home system burning a dollar to get one tech or uh, because we can't use our home system when we use inheritance systems, you might be burning a dollar when you when you do that. Inheritance systems alone is costing us two extra resources every time we want to get those crazy high ranking difficult techs. Um, so like you just have this way of spending a lot of money in tech and that can hurt you in the long run if you're not making sure to keep up with your plastic advantage. Um, so for me, it's a big deal to not go crazy on tech as L1Z1X, even though you totally could. Um, I just don't think you will be able to leverage yourself in the in the same way you could have otherwise. Um, yeah, it's like anything else in the game. If you go too overboard on one aspect, you will lose in the other ways, yeah. basically. Yeah, um, that goes double for you. You can completely ignore carriers. We said it earlier, but like I literally sure. like maybe throughout the game, you build like a carrier to have like a fun little fighter swarm to go with your stuff. But generally speaking, like you can do so much with just dreadnoughts cruisers and destroyers you can get a lot a lot a lot of work done especially if you upgrade all three like if those are your three unit upgrades that's a devastating fleet that you have right. enough capacity because you don't have to take that many infantry with you you have harrow so like the idea of a normal fleet is like well i got to bring like three or four infantry on my carrier and then like maybe a second carrier to bring a bunch of fighters or or then the dread is there to like two mm -hmm. dreads hitting on four with a destroyer and a cruiser and each dread can carry a fighter and a ground force or two ground forces total and then you invade with four total ground forces wherever you go and harrow in between every round like you're gonna take planets that's not it's it's like a it's so easy um so carriers don't actually really do anything for you throughout the game and again especially if we avoided gravity drive the carriers are going to be too slow anyways they're literally going to drag you down Mm -hmm. um, the other thing in the mid game that's a huge consideration that is funny that we haven't really talked about it that much is Mechatol Rex um, we sort of brought it up with like warfare as like a round two thing but Mechatol Rex is definitely a thing where there might not be a situation where you could take it first because of the influence problem but you can pretty easily take it from someone else uh, and you can very easily plan around where like you take Mechatol have Imperial definitely get it score the point nobody can uproot you um that that is a thing that you can definitely do or even if it's even if it's not the round you take imperial like in round three or four it's pretty common for l1z1x to just be like you know what i want mechatol rex now it's mine and right like, nobody's going to be able to do anything about that um, and it's going to take at that yeah it's going to take a concerted effort to get you off of it so very much a fan of at some point making a, a play for mechatol and uh, you also need to focus throughout the mid game of reinforcing your home system specifically kind of your whole slice, but definitely your home system, because I think it's really common for L1Z1X to end up in the end game scenario. And um, your home system is a one planet system. So like it's easy to defend as long as you put the infrastructure in place. So th this is just to say, don't forget to like keep building a couple ground forces per build. Like every time you build at your home system, make two of those units ground forces. 
just to like get them down there. Um, and very much like we said earlier, construction would have helped this round one, but in general, get a second space dock somewhere on the board. Um, not just to like have a forward dock in general, but the idea that you're going to be able to jump onto late game control objectives, like stage two control objectives, is pretty reasonable. Um, and having that forward dock is going to make that actually possible rather than trying to get stuff out of your home system and spread out. What is our late game going to look like then? Our late game uh, is maybe like my favorite kind of late game because it's like super pull the trigger, <laughs> do the thing, get make a big play. Um, it, and that can happen in two different ways. It can be like you've invested in plastic enough. Your tech is in a good enough position where now like I can just go jump on those last of the like five tech specs or the last of the six of a trait or whatever. Or I can go take someone's home system and like definitely get it. Like those, you know, those home systems that have like 10 infantry on it. There's a world where you mm -hmm. can take those. Now, if they're smart, they'll have a PDS on it. Like, I'm not saying it's like you'll definitely do it. But L1Z1X has one of the better chances out of any other faction to go take a home system. Again, you can right. just get War Sons if you want to and make sure you do it. Or like X89 or whatever. Um, so that's one method is the just like plastic punch, hurt, get, and win. The other is to plan that crazy sneaky uh, swing round, whether it be in the mid game or the late game, like as your final round. But we have to point out here that you rule at basically every single secret objective in the deck. Like there's not a single secret objective that is a, is a problem for you. Um, you have an answer to all of them. Now, obviously, if it's like your if it's your last secret objective draw and then it's like, oh, that's three space stocks and you only have one. That could be kind of a difficult thing to deal with or like turn their fleets to dust and you haven't built any PDS. But throughout the game, if you drew your secret objectives early, uh, you can very much plan for pretty major swing rounds um, because you can accomplish everything. Again, you can take planets, you have resources, you can get your, it's like an assumption that you're going to get your two faction techs. It's not hard to get four tech in a single color. Uh, space combat, you can end up anywhere. So all of those space control objectives, you can definitely do. Um, it's just... All of those things are not hard for you, and you can end up in positions where you score an action phase, and then in the status phase, score a two-pointer and uh, a secret objective for a four-point swing that round. That stuff comes up often. Yeah, it, the, I would say the secret objective thing is the most exciting thing about playing L1Z1X. Yeah. Just having all of that versatility, not worrying like about drawing. I mean, even the control secret objectives that can be, you know kind of harsh a lot of the time yeah. are not the wildest thing for l1 yeah definitely um so i don't know i i wonder hunter how much you feel like this guide differs from the last time we did l1 z1x because that's been something i've been trying i didn't list i didn't re-listen to our old l1 guide but i'm just wondering for people who have been following along with the show how do you think L1 has evolved. We had a lot to say about how Nalu has evolved last week, but like what what is different about L1 these days that that you didn't feel when you wrote the original guide? Um I think that the the versatility of inheritance bleh, of inheritance systems I think is uh really on display mm -hmm. uh now. Uh, there was, I think, some naysaying about inheritance systems before. Yeah. Um, I think the original episode definitely featured a lot of us being like, do you really need it? Why not just go blue and get a yellow right. and then you're done? Right. Um, 
but I think uh, I think that was actually a mistake yeah. uh, in the original guide, and I feel like uh, seeing it now. I think L1Z1X is actually a really hard faction to talk about in the context of our show because I think if you're really good um, and and you're really getting used to the game, you should let the game tell you what direction to go tech-wise. Yeah, right. L1 can just kind of go along with whatever, whatever is expected of them um, for that game or just go with uh, with the tech path that yeah. makes sense. For your specific game, yeah, it's it's honestly saying. hard to make like bad decisions um, within yeah. your individual game. Like, do the thing that makes sense for where the objectives and everything else are going. Like, don't do PDS L one Z one X if there's nothing you need to defend in your slice and you don't have the four PDS secret. Like, do the things that just are are logical and like you're not really gonna go wrong. I think the biggest point for me is if we're talking in a world where like. Do I have a choice over my slice or like am I am I basing the slice I know I'm in off of like then using that as a decision of what faction I get like that yellow skip is absolutely clutch and like yeah. I in like a tournament situation I wouldn't play L1Z1X without it. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would I would base really my pick have off of that yellow tech skip. Or if I'm yeah. building the map, I'm desperately trying to get a yellow skip. Or if my neighbor has a yellow skip, I'm trying to steal that yellow skip at the right time so that I can still get my inheritance. Like getting inheritance systems as fast as possible is like a key to having a very, very good L1Z1X game. I completely agree. I completely agree. Now I have this weird button here, um, and it's a time machine button. Oh it will gosh. take us to the future. <laughs> Hunter, um, where did where you get our this technology? Future will finish the episode. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm I'm terrified because the reality of the situation is when you press that button, you will make me have a baby. Like I'll have a baby. Wow. Now. So that's crazy. Okay. So the <laughs> so the listener is about to maybe experience birth in the scope of for what for them will be seconds but will for us be the difference between you being just a little punk boy and becoming a a, a daddy man do you have any final words i play twilight imperium aggressively and that is how i will raise my daughter and you can't make me decide otherwise i will be an aggressive uh teacher and an aggressive uh, negotiator and I will live my life by head desking as a uh, philosophy hunter hit that button no I'm gonna hold off on no, hitting the button hunter. I oh, think no. so what you just said I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna get to Molly and I'm gonna convince her to be a little more level-headed about stuff now I'll press the button all right and I get the last word bam oh what how long has it been? Oh, Hunter, my old friend. Wow, it's it must have been decades since we've done this podcast together. I'm a father now, and life moves at a different pace. How, how Hunter, tell me how long has it been since we spoke? It's it's feel so old. I know it. Uh, it's been three days. <laughs> no. No, it can't be. Take me back to the island. <laughs> We've got to go back. We've got to go back. Um, okay, so... I'm sleepy. Okay. I'm so tired. I'm sleepy, too. You know, I just had a baby. Um, <laughs> and 
my you know my baby's been a little i don't bit- even remember what note we left on when we recorded like what the i don't know what the lead in i should have listened to that of like what the lead in from the l1 thing is into this but i'm pretty sure it was like hey this could have been it could be baby time right um baby came early <laughs> baby came out the day the nalu guide came out last right week, right and uh well and they know that if they listened all the way to the end because i left a yeah, very explicit you, let- you know baby <laughs> <explicit>. alert <laughs> If you're on the Discord, I guess you've maybe seen pictures, but uh, I have I have a child now. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, this make... is the end of the show. Show's over. Show's canceled. <laughs> Goodbye. Space yeah, cat out. I'm, I'm glad we got some stuff ahead. It's going to be really funny um, looking ahead the next couple weeks because it's going to be uh, our listeners are going to continue going through the time rift like multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> like L1 guide was recorded immediately after the Nalu guide, like in the same session. Right. Right. Uh, and then we thought we were going to record more and we didn't. We weren't able to. And then we recorded the eerie guide for the root, which isn't going to be the first root guide. Like next time it's going to be the cat's guide. Right. <laughs> so when you when we rec- but we haven't recorded the cat's guide yet. So when we record the cat's guide, I'll have a baby. When you listen to the eerie guide, I won't have a baby. When you listen to the Marquise de Cat errata for the cat the birds, it's just we're, we're we aren't really in time anymore. We're, we're completely desynchronized. We're unstuck. Um, it's going to be real slaughterhouse five on this show for a while of just us reliving various experiences. And we're going to sound we're going to sound crazy, to be frank. But uh, but we aren't. We've just had babies, both of us. And yeah, it's yeah. nuts that we're the baby boys now. Baby boys. The baby bros. Baby uh, but I guess we have supposedly on this on this uh show i almost call this a tv show i don't know what i do with anymore <laughs> this isn't real um we need to do some nalu errata don't we i hope i think hunter selected out some wonderful errata for us i haven't been paying attention to discord for an entire week <laughs> yeah um and i was actually i was meaning to say matt if you could start paying attention to the discord if you could give the <laughs> the discord a little more attention that would be great it would be really appreciated. Um, I got one really good one from uh, my pal Root the Person, um, uh-huh. <laughs> aka Alec. Um, I like to aka someone as their name, their, their, their name. legal name, <laughs> their real name, um, aka Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, got some minor errata for you. Um, you guys talked about the old move skilled retreat trick which is when you move and you play skilled retreat in order to get like an extra movement um but that's not actually something you can do with foresight foresight triggers defensively only uh it reads after another player moves ships into a system that contains one or more of your ships so we described a trick that you cannot use foresight for yeah kind of a goofy stupid oversight on our part it's i mean it, it really does come from the issue of retreat skilled retreat and foresight being three actually distinct abilities even though they're all almost identical right right um, in in function um but like the tricky stuff you can do with each of them really the lies the the lines get blurred um what's funny about this is it's after a player another player moves ships which also makes it the same timing window as experimental battle station technically i don't know what implications that have or why i'm bringing it up but just Uh, like one of those things of like man there's so many goofy timing windows that it's like well it's it's actually after players move ships not at the start of combat which means it's a completely different thing and blah 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 blah. right um so so yeah you can't you can't move in foresight to then blockade a space dock which is essentially the kind of really specific scenario we laid out that 
just didn't I don't even know why we laid it out. We just want to talk about tricks that you can do and well, I mean a trick you can do. <laughs> let's be real. Go back and I mean I don't I don't know the the sound bite off the top of my head, but I guarantee mm. you it went down like this. You brought it up <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, is that right?" in my head and then I was like, "I guess that's right." I mean, he is bringing that up. And then turns out you were just crazy because you were on the verge of uh yeah. I mean, we were both on the verge of having our babies. Right. Right. Getting our babies uh, actually is the verb <laughs> that I that I want to stick on with. A, on a similar note, and this one's a weirder, um, a weirder rulesy question thing. But Brian points out, um, and, and what sucks about this one is I I thought that this was the point I was trying to convey, and I clearly uh, misspoke, and maybe I even was like mis misinterpreting the rule in the moment. But like I I I remember this rule being the case but let's just like make it absolutely clear for the nalu guy there was a point in it where we talked about the matriarch and what you can do with the matriarch and i was talking about the inability to invade planets with it and i think what i didn't make clear enough is what brian's errata is related to which is that you can totally start an invasion with only fighters only to wipe out infantry and fail to take the planet so the whole point is you have to have an infantry to establish control of the planet right that is that is a step that requires an infantry but because at the start of invasion you get to treat your fighters as ground forces you can start the invasion with only fighters and just like completely dunk on some ground forces on a planet uh even duke lucan pointed out hey this is a great way to cancel someone else's ability to do an easy make an example of their world like if your matriarch is in range jump over send your fighters down kill all the infantry but don't take the planet. There's no infantry there. Now they can't go uh, bombard that planet for a point or whatever. That's a super whatever edge case. But the point being, you can hurt planets with the matriarch without ground forces, but you cannot take planets yeah. without a ground force. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I, th- I, I, th- I think that. I feel like this is one of those ones where maybe we were misheard, or maybe we spoke in a weird way because we're both Arkansas dads. So we have our we have kind of a unique parlance, uh, yeah. cowboy mm-hmm. talk. It's been described as, um, and sometimes cowboys they they don't quite make you know That's they, what they call us the cowboys of the cowboys of uh, of Twilight and Pyramid. Why? How come there's never cowmen? Why don't cowboys ever grow up? They never do. A cowboy can't have a baby. That's that's something. Every cow, every cowboy in the olden times, they got vasectomies, all of them. And a lot of people, when I bring this up, will be like, "Did vasectomies exist?" And uh, I, yeah, the, the, the old, right tools, the old riding the horse too long type of vasectomy. <laughs> if you get in the if you sun. Catch what I'm saying, yeah, out in the sun, that's that is a type of vasectomy. Um. Do we want to go to Schroeder's? We, we got a good yeah, Schroeder yeah. point. To, to, to walk me through Schroeder's. The Schroeder's is my favorite uh, errata that is not just a, hey, you two are idiots yeah. errata from this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, congrats to Schroeder. He he just beat me the other night, uh, and I was playing a SAR, but I'm not good at SAR. And also, if you had watched the game from my perspective, you would have seen a, a, a very sad man uh, roll dice and consistently <laughs> get the wrong thing. Consist yeah. in so many different ways. Um, That one really beat me up that game. Um, But Schroeder, (laughs) a quick note about Nalu and warfare. Consider doing it as your second action to trip people up. People may not be ready for it that early. 
Um, yeah. I think this is, yeah, I think this is something, this is just not something we considered, but is a really good idea that would have warranted a, a mention had we, had we thought it up, but yeah. Right. It's, it's a situation where like tech could be happening at a weird timing and oftentimes tech happens maybe a little bit earlier than warfare. So people can like plan their money and then their trade and then their warfare. Mm-hmm. But if you just, pop, if you just pop warfare sometimes and not lose distinctly advantaged to like making it happen very early, everyone else has basically only taken one, everyone else has only taken one action and you get to just pop warfare. Um, you, you get to cut, catch people off guard of like, oh, my, I just spent money on tech. Now I don't have money or right. like trade hasn't happened yet. I didn't get the money I needed. Now I'm screwed. So if you're paying attention to the table, sometimes you can look at that that turn to warfare and be like, you know what? Perfect time to just go ahead and yeah. pull that token from the carrier. I just moved it. I'm going to plan to move it a second time. Um, d- depending on where that's that's going, that could be a super, super devastating round one for some other players at the table yeah me likey um i think is what i would rate that one that's that's a (laughs) that's a hunter's classic me likey um i'm gonna award it with a me likey um okay so done with that 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 was boring um is does molly does molly want to come on the show yet or when Uh, when is she going to be ready to replace you uh you know i give it six months or so yeah Let's get her. Let's get her. You know, able to see normally, like be, be able to look at things, um, so that she can properly see the board, and then she's probably ready to start talking about Twilight Imperium. Yeah, yeah. I so d- did she. So h- did she play? Did they had TTS in there? Uh, no, they had a copy of Axis and Allies, and she's been she was getting her feet wet with Axis and Allies, so mm-hmm. she hasn't quite made the jump to like actual intergalactic politics. Uh, but she kind of understands like the basic move and build structure and like the cost of units and hitting on different dice values she understands all of that stuff pretty pretty well i would say yeah you sent me a video and that was something i said about her that she looks like <laughs> she understands you know the value of of uh, trade goods and uh and re- resources and influence that she understands the relationship between all those things if anything she kind of looks like a baby calculator you know <laughs> she's kind of a real magi yeah she 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 takes after him in play style i'm sure um <laughs> Because she's heard, you know, I mean, she she was listening to the show in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She knows all about the foam finger. She yeah. She has, you know, she has one of her own. She left it in there, so we got to go back for that <laughs> at some point. <laughs> oh, man. So, how do you feel? Let's 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 talk, baby. Like, we 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 gave them what they need. We gave them. You, and you, you know got what? your TI fixed. You don't, Shut if up. You don't I'm a hear, dad now. Yeah, if you don't want to hear baby talk, you can, you, you know. <laughs> this is the end of the episode. the the door Things The are door's good. right over there. <laughs> you, uh, half of you probably turned it off already. You don't care about the rundown. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, I wonder what Hunter's playing on Twitch this week. <laughs> uh, baby's good. Yeah, uh, we we spent um uh like eighty hours in the hospital total from getting into birth to leaving oh dang um, so about so nine ish nine nine games of ti length. yeah like nine <laughs> nine games of ti back to back uh it felt like it boy did it feel like that that's a really good comparison um the ups and the downs of 10 of eight games of twilight imperium mm-hmm. um yeah no pizza phases unfortunately that they is, don't allow pizza that phases is a bummer in the hospital um and yeah baby's healthy baby's um pretty happy she was fussy she was fussy in the hospital she didn't she was she didn't like we hospitals up, we were up often <laughs> we, we, we were rarely down uh 
And but since we've gotten home, we've actually had really great nights of sleep. Um, <gasps> things have been very good. Yay. I have to throw a huge thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you made me talk about this uh, because I feel like it's super important that I thank people like Patience is a Virtue and Farganess and Billy and Boy Howdy. Do I have to give thanks to Visioness uh, for maybe saving my wife's life? I think maybe she saved my wife's life. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, all happened? of these people. All of these people uh, have been of course these are already incredibly generous people because they're all most of them are space kitties uh weird bears or at the very least uh goodian brotherhood like they're all already incredibly generous people but they went and took kind of crazy extra steps and had been sending uh my wife and i gifts and sending molly gifts and it's been really really uh heartening and um celia sent some stuff for katie that um is just what was needed <laughs> was mm-hmm. uh you know she she knew the things katie was gonna uh, go through secret mommy stuff stuff you only know stuff. if you're in the order of the mom <laughs> yes exactly she sent her the guidebook for the order of mommies yes and uh yeah she's joined been... the guild the mother's <laughs> the mother's guild yeah uh so boy just thank you all so much i mean thank you to everybody else who has just been so so kind but but you know those folks i just mentioned were incredibly uh, generous. Did I mention Billy? I feel like I want to make sure I said Billy. Patience, Billy, Farganess. Yeah. Uh, yes. And 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 Visioness uh, were all just crazy, crazy generous. There's probably more that I'm actually forgetting, and I would feel terrible for not mentioning. But I'll give them shoutouts later. But I don't have my, <laughs> I don't have my thank you cards yeah, this in is front of me. So this is not that. Um, boy. Anyways, I would like to actually get back to mommy and baby. So let's do to this baby. rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll. I'll let you. I'll let you. No, you as, let me. As your as your other baby, I will not. But I am the older baby. I will. I not want get, to point out that when we started this hangouts call to record this, you did not have a shirt on, and you looked very distinctly <laughs> like my baby. So it felt. It, I felt at home. Like, oh, okay. And there's the other one. Yeah, he's, he looks like a good boy. That was just a fun accident because I I realized that it was one of those things where I sat down and I didn't have a shirt on. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then I was like, I'll just roll with it for now. <laughs> well, uh, I want to thank Hunter for doing that to me. And I want to thank all of our space kitties and weird bears. I want to thank our weird bears, Farganus, Brian, Billy, T.G. Welch, and Phil Roy. And I thank our space kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Julian, Arwise, Hippie Peace Thrills, Gazkio, Dirk Jutsu, More Tension, Bopot, and Visper. Thank you all. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, as far as Patreon poll updates type stuff um the galactic council poll for the july 7th episode is still up uh it is a tight race between rules quiz extravaganza and mm. a twilight imperium lore episode which is cool w- both really fun very different type stuff um as far as as far as my twitch schedule uh this week uh, i'm gonna play root on thursday um once at noon and then once at 6 p.m. is my plan. Uh, I should go Pacific ahead and get that time. figured out as far as who's going to play in those. If you want to play in those, let me know. Um, mm-hmm. And then on Friday, um, me and my co-host uh, from Read It and Weep are going to play some video games. We don't even know what we're going to play yet. We're just going to play some. We played Last of Us Part 2 on Friday, uh, which was fun. The first the first like hour or two of it, it was pretty funny. Uh, but I will ha- definitely have completed the game by the time... Uh, we get to next friday because i'm really eating that game up um Mm. and then friday at 6 p.m i'm playing twilight imperium and i am playing 
the Tactic Blue Faction Pack, which you might not know about this if you're not on the Discord. It is Tactic Blue is a person, and they made a uh, their own expansion to the game. Am I am I right that they some of it is compilation too? I think. I forget yes. if that's right. I think they made some factions, but there's also a couple factions that were like, these are great ones from the community. Oh, for sure, for sure. And maybe for sure. edit. But, yeah. but as far as, so, well, actually, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm, in the, sure. I'm in the Google Drive for it. It seems to me like, yes, there are some community factions, but it feels like Tactic Blue brought in like 12 factions or something like that like a crazy amount i might be getting that wrong they they might all be it's definitely a lot i mean it's there's definitely a lot and so that's what makes me i would be surprised if they're all uh tactic blues machinations if they are yowza kudos good good on you holy cow yeah um so um but yeah so we'll we'll check that out uh friday night and see how good that is um and i'm i i bet you uh, I bet you we have our our kind of shattered ascension uh, brewing with Tactic Blue. Um, right. For the YouTube, uh, I'm going to release uh, a, a game of me playing as the L1Z1X. Um, I don't feel like I played really that great, but, you know, it's L1Z1X week, so I thought I would release it. Um, and, yeah, keep reading Dune. Let's all keep reading Dune. There's been a lot of good conversations about Dune. Uh, I feel like I have actually... Uh, I feel like I'm not clicking with it as much. Really? As I, How far are you right now? Uh, not very far. Just a couple, yeah. couple chapters in. But it's all very interior. It's all very like I forget that the Frank Herbert writing style is very much. It's just like a lot of in Paul's head. Yeah. Right. And I think that's it's weird because when I think about when I think about what happens in Dune, I don't think about it in the point of view that it is oh you just you remember all of the events of dune but not the perspective yeah and so that's a little bit jarring to feel like i'm reading this book where i know everything that happens but i don't remember it happening like or like from this perspective or like Mm -hmm. the actual way it's like i've blocked out how the book was written i only remember (laughs) what happens in the book which is kind of odd I don't know. I feel like it's a little more up your alley because you're probably used to that type of writing with being such a Game of Thrones head, right? Well, yeah, but his is, his shifts narrator so often. Not narrator, but like, it, it, you know, you'll have a scene with everybody talking at like a table and you go f- between each character's head yeah. in like the span of a paragraph. Yeah. And it's that, I mean, that's incredibly jarring. And in the, I listened to it on the audiobook and the audiobook's got all sorts of crazy stuff going on with it that makes it, Easier. In some ways more interesting and in some ways way harder. Oh. So in, in like <laughs> they make this weird decision of having a full like a full cast. Um so people there are voice actors for a bunch of the characters. Oh wow. But they don't do it for the whole book. <laughs> it Aww. comes and goes. Like there are sections where it has it and sections where it doesn't have it. And so then you get used to Jessica's voice and then suddenly now you're in a part where it's just the narrator and the narrator is reading as Jessica and you're like wait okay so wait is that Jessica what's going on and there's no consistency throughout it of like who is who when and there's no cue as to when it's going to turn off and on right the the cast so uh, it gets really confusing and you really have to pay attention to like the with audiobooks it's really easy to not specifically pay attention to the exact words you're kind of just getting the picture mm-hmm. painted for you mm-hmm. um, but in this one you really have to pay attention to what they're saying yeah. besides just like having like a radio play read to you right right that makes sense yeah um it's 
it's it is interesting to read a book that I mean I I loved Dune when I was like what like thirteen. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I read this book, um, mm-hmm. so it's interesting to revisit a book that like when I read it the first time, I guarantee you, I basically had zero criticisms and was just kind of like, "This is great, yeah. this cool is book. awesome." I'm thirteen. Cool book. It's good. Like. So now I'm gonna play Mario World. Yeah, now it's time to play Mario World. Well, super, you know I'm a Super Mario Brothers three guy. That's like true. we had that conversation. Yeah, I'm a yeah. Super Mario Brothers three guy. Not that I don't like Super Mario World. That's ridiculous. You can't <laughs> even say that. I wanted to bring up uh, while we're on the topic of Dune. I think here in a few weeks we need to do um, uh, our listener. Pink was a um, weird bear mm-hmm. for a, a, a period there, and one of the segments Pink has been wanting to bring to the table is their um, uh, basically addendum <laughs> to the Dune rulebook and components, uh, basically rewordings for a lot of stuff to make everything actually clear. Like oh, I how love the that. supposed to be written. So I'm really excited. I, we're going to, they've sent it to me and, and I've checked it out and I want to reread it again to like really get my head wrapped around it. And w- once we do that, uh, I think we'll kind of do like a little mini presentation of it and, and make sure people know it's out there. But you can already start looking for it, you know, hit pink up, ask about the, the Dune rewrite. Um, uh, I do not know if they decided they were 100% done with it. They were kind of, it was like an ongoing project thing. Um, so I need to follow up with them. But but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. That might be the only revisiting of Dune we do for a while beyond talking about the book here and there. Well, that sounds uh, like I a know good resource two- though because yeah. literally yeah, it maybe solves our it, problems. <laughs> Right, and it would be nice to have that on hand if we ever did decide to revisit it with the two expansion factions that came out. But I don't specifically have an intent to to check those out. Yeah, at the moment, especially since we're kind of so hot on uh, root. Yeah, we moment. got a lot of root. Very busy with that root ground to cover at this point. Um. So yeah. Anyways, this is what this a fun, a chill like vibe. kind of sleepy, like yeah. This, <laughs> this is an interesting show. Yeah. that we're ending. <laughs> Well, and it's funny too because this is this is coming off the back of an episode that already probably had a super weird vibe because we had just recorded two back to back. No, and I think we, we were, were having fired up. latency I'm, I'm, issues. I'm pretty sure we were fired up though. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Well, yeah, this is the one where. Okay, this, so the, actually, <laughs> let's peel back the curtain on this one. Uh, this one actually sucked for yours truly because I don't even know what's in it because basically Matt's internet was being real wonky. And or my internet, actually, it could have gone either way. So I don't need to be prescriptive there. But uh, so I didn't know what was up and uh, actually could not hear him for a lot of the recording. So a lot of it is me listening to what I think is Matt talking and he's cutting (laughs) out and I don't know exactly what point he's making. And I'm trying to just look pretty and just kind of stay in it, you know. So if you love uh, latency issues and technology and our weird vibe for this whole episode, if this was your favorite, just l- low-key chill vibe episode, give us a rating. Say, hey, I, lo- I love to listen to these 10-hour recordings that are just low-key study, uh, you know, K-pop album stuff. Uh, this, <laughs> if, if you're really into that. Chill, uh, chill Twilight Imperium to study to. <laughs> Yeah, just just go ahead and give us a uh, give us five stars on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever wherever you listen to this stinking show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod, Facebook uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles, and please find the link for our Discord. Come hang out. You can see pictures of my beautiful oh, baby. Da baby. Um, oh, baby. Does Molly have any last last words for this episode? Molly, have any way that Molly would like to close it out? Let me see. Hang on. <sighs> what do you think? 
Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. But what about the Nalu Collective? What did you think about Roots Point? Yeah. Can you put the headphones on the baby? What are you doing? You just you're just kind of making grumble noises, aren't you? You're gonna throw up. You might throw up. Oh, big oh my on. god. Holy moly. Oh my god. All right, that's all Molly's she got to say. She sounds like a cat. Like a fussy <laughs> cat. <laughs> well, you know, I I would kind of agree with you that, that she she has many uh, similarities to my fussy cat. She seems like a cat. <laughs> She's kind of a cat that you got. Could it be a space cat? No. <laughs> thank you for listening to space cats peace turtles and thanks to ben prunty for the use of his music you can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com pax magnifica bellum gloriosum